This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we'll show you how to go from employee truck driver to savvy business owner. And we'll do it together because we're starting our own trucking company, Holland Assets. So you'll get a front row seat through the whole process. Together with some experts in the field, we'll teach you how to set up a business, buy a truck, get your DOT and MC numbers, get insurance, and a lot more. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, everybody, to the Holland Assets Podcast. I am Craig. Welcome back, Chris. Good to be here. In, in studio. In studio again. This is like three or four weeks in a row, partly because the last little bit we've been recording like multiple episodes I know, at that's, once, right? That's the trick. We're really peeling back the curtain for people here. We are. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Get into See, the guts. We're live right now. We're live coming straight <laughs> into your cab as we speak. No, okay. Today is episode 14. Uh, what is IRP or apportioned registration? I don't know what I just said, but I'm hoping by the end of the episode, I will. And if you don't, then you've got some issues that you need to work through. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we are going to get to that topic in just a moment, but I want to do what we normally do in these and talk about, uh, first of all, what's uh, what's going on with you on the road and also talk about contest winners and that sort of thing. Uh, so maybe we start with the contest winners. Sounds What's going good. on there? Yeah, we uh, we had another contest winner this last week. It was Albert Brown submitted a, a good fall pick of some uh, scenery he's traveled through in the near recent past. And uh, congratulations, got a, a $50 uh, Visa card. Very nice. And I assume we're doing another one. We are. What's going on with this one? So the next one, um, to kind of uh, keep along with the theme of food that you gave me such a hard time about uh, last (laughs) week, (laughs) instead of your favorite restaurant or place to eat this time, it's going to be your favorite snack on the road. And and if you can, um, I would like to see what your favorite guilty pleasure is and then also what your favorite health food snack is. Like actual reasonable snack. Yeah. So yeah. Because... Because sometimes you just got to eat something that tastes really good. And sometimes you probably need to eat a healthy snack. So one one of both would be best. You don't have to do both enter in the contest, but uh, do me a favor and and give me some good ideas. You know, my guilty pleasure one. What's that? uh, When I'm on the road, caramel apples. Caramel apples. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Where do you get those on the road? Yeah, I just uh, just make them. You bring your own? And then, yeah, and then take them. Cool. Yeah. M&M's are kind of my... Oh, Peanut M&M's. Yeah. Well, I don't like the plain ones. The plain ones are gross, but plain, peanut Plain M&Ms. ones are fine. Peanut butter is good, but peanut is best. I'm uh, with there you there. We go. Hey, okay. we agree we, on something. That doesn't happen very often. Okay, well, take it where we can find it. So in order to get entered for this, uh, you're saying favorite snacks, submit your favorite snack. They can do that on the Facebook page. Uh, just check out Holland Assets. Any other ways to enter, or is that where we want them going? Just going, yeah, to the Holland Assets Facebook page. Okay, very good. And if you uh, if you... Throw your hat, or sorry, throw your name into that hat and we draw it out. You'll get that $50 Visa gift card. Uh, not a bad little prize for just snapping a photo and sharing it on the page. And, and this time you don't even have to snap a photo. You just have to type a few words. Oh, there you go. Spelling. Yeah. Spelling's important. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Is that a disqualifier? Um, I don't if know. I'll have to think about M&M. that. No, it, you, it, it can't be a disqualifier <laughs> because I'm such a horrible speller. There, I, that's I, a good point. I sympathize with those who can't spell. <laughs> so, Chris, what's been happening on the road? Um, a, a lot's been happening. It's been it's been a, a good little month. Um, but you know what the most frustrating thing for me on the road is? I mean, being on the road. I mean, you're away from home a lot more than you used to be. I assume I am, and and you know that's hard. But that's kind of you, you know going into this. That's kind of part of the territory is you're gonna be away from home. But the thing that is the most frustrating, like m- most of trucking, is is 
something that you expect, something that, uh, you know, happens normal, but just dealing with shippers and receivers is for me, the biggest pain in the butt. I can handle the traffic. I can handle the crazy hours and some of that weird stuff like that. But just not knowing what to expect when you ri- arrive at a receiver or shipper is just a royal pain in the butt. I can imagine. I mean, I, I would have assumed that that wouldn't be the most pleasant. But I mean, that's a huge part of the job, isn't it? It's a so, huge part of the job. Yeah. It's, uh, that's unfortunate that you're bringing this up. Yeah. I, I, it's kind of a pain in the butt because, you, you know, you, you arrive at a shipper and you've got a scheduled appointment when you're supposed to be there. I've never missed my appointment. And you know, what do you think a reasonable time for loading or unloading a trailer should be? I have, I'm you know, sure it depends on the cargo. You, it is. And most, you know, 90% of the time the cargo is loaded onto pallets and you've probably got something like anywhere from typically 18 to maybe 22, 24 pallets on your trailer. So not like a crazy number of pallets and most of these shippers unload them with a forklift. So you, 18 to 24 pallets, forklift, less than an hour. Yeah, you'd, you'd think. Um, two hours, I think any time under two hours is, is typically a pretty good stop at a, a shipper receiver. But man, sometimes they just take forever and you just never know what you're going to get. You, so take, for example, a load that I was just on. It was actually for a manufacturer and I was picking up at one of their plants in Missouri and driv- d- uh, delivering a load. And this one had, I think, it wasn't even that many. It was like 13 or 14 pallets. It was a really low number. Um, from their plant in Missouri to a plant in Salt Lake City. And I get to the plant in Missouri, and um, I am literally the, the the guard that helped me out, was super helpful, witty. He was kind of funny like you, lots of little jokes. Oh, so not very funny. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. And I get in there, and I'm I'm literally out in less than an hour, which is, you know, anytime that happens is is great. And so I'm thinking, well, gosh, I'm, I'm delivering to the same manufacturer in Salt Lake. You'd think, you know, maybe it'd be about the same thing. Not so much. Not so much. I get to the place in Salt Lake, and I, I the security guard there is like this young kid that was like, had no idea what was going on. A, a royal pain in the butt. Couldn't get a straight answer out of him. Tells me to go to the, he, he was kind of, I guess, more on the shipping side of things. And I was obviously delivering. So he's like, you got to go to the other side of the building, the receiver, just park out there and wait. And somebody will come tell you what to do. So I, I go, I, I park out there. I've been there for an hour by this time. Nobody's come. I There's a door that's locked, but has a window in it by the um, receiving area. I, I go look in that window and finally after like 15 or 20 minutes of staring at that window, somebody walks by and I can kind of flag them down. Well, to make a long story short, I was there for two hours before I even got a straight answer from anybody about <laughs> what was going on. And then like another half an hour to an hour after that, they finally said, you know what? Um, at this point, it's like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. I've been there for probably pretty close to three hours. Just baking in the just sun. Baking in the sun. Yep. And uh he finally said, you know what, come back at seven thirty, we'll unload you then. Man. So at, at what point do you say, look, I know I'm not unionized, but give me the freaking keys. I'll drive the <laughs> forklift myself. There's been a lot of times I would have loved to I'd I'd totally unload the trailer myself. I could just get the stuff off. And I, I bet you most guys are that way. But I mean that is it's kind of frustrating because you, you go to a place, you expect to be in and out, you know, reasonable two hours, not out of the question to have it take four hours by the time everything's said and done. And so you're typically, you know, booking your loads, your next follow on load 
with that in mind that, you know, you're going to get unloaded and you can go get your next load. Well, luckily this time I was coming to Salt Lake and taking a few days off. So I didn't have another load to go to, but you know, well, if- yeah, that this reminds me of like missing a flight at an airport and you miss your connection or, you know, it's something where the airline is late. And so you yeah. miss a connection and it's not your fault, but it throws off everything. It throws after. off everything. Yeah. If you get, if you get to a receiver and it takes them six hours plus to unload, it throws off your next load, makes the next guy's, mad at you and it's it's not your fault it's not anything you can do about it yeah so but you're expected to be there on time every time well sure i mean yeah. you're a professional uh-huh chris <laughs> i'm a professional driver there i guess they don't get the distinction of professional forklift operator <laughs> well maybe we should stop heaping abuse on the poor forklift guys and jump into today's topic you yeah, ready that, that's probably a good idea okay uh chris i got a question for you what the heck is an irp um, that's a good question. We, we, we actually have some guests in the studio that, oh, today to help us out with that. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's who's on my couch. Oh, I didn't even look to my left here. Okay. Well, why don't you introduce our guest for today, Chris? Okay. So today we've got Ariel. Ariel is uh, our office manager at Motor Carrier HQ and progressive reporting. And she has been with us, just celebrated her eight year anniversary. Ooh, did she, uh, did she get a 10 year sabbatical or anything? Uh, at eight years, there's not a ten year sabbatical. No, no, no. That's I'm not talking about two more years. Two more years and a, yeah. and a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about that, but we're not a college. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's uh, she is kind of our resident expert at a lot of things, but definitely our, our biggest expert at IRP and, and registrations, which is what we're talking about today. So that's why we're bringing her into the picture. Very nice. Okay, well, why don't we get started with that? Where do you want to start on this topic, Chris? So IRP is really just the process of getting your license plate for your truck. It's IRP stands for International Registration Plan. A lot of people uh, also I remember this. Yes, yeah, so we've talked a little episode. bit about it. It's also typically referred to as a portion plates. Um, there's a lot of different names for it, but those are really the two most common. And so now I just went through this process for my personal vehicle, uh, and is the process similar at all? Are there huge differences? Uh, it, Am I going to be able to navigate through it just based on that personal experience? Well, knowing you, you know, you're not going to be able to navigate through Thanks, it. Man. And and the, the similarity between the two is you end up with a license plate that you bolt onto your vehicle. That's about <laughs> where the similarities end. It's, okay. um, it, it's actually quite a bit more complicated and more involved for commercial vehicles. Um, with commercial vehicles, you, um, you're actually paying registration fees in every state. So is this a process that... It, you should only have to go through once if you're doing this uh, a portion plate that's good in whatever state you're operating in. You you have to do it once to kind of get the account set up and everything um, really going. And then every year, you know, similar to what you have to do with your, your personal car, you have to, you know, reapply and renew the registration. And the renewal process isn't as complicated as, as getting started, but uh, it's the renewal process for a commercial vehicle is definitely more complicated than it is for your car. Right. So and everything's this, just more complicated. And this is something, you know, I feel like we've dipped our toes a little bit into what's happening as you're out on the road for the first little while. But this sounds like something that's going to have to happen kind of in the pre-rolling days, right? Yeah, you, Before you've got to you get out there. Yep, you've got to get your truck registered. And, and and there's some things you can do, like you can get a temporary registration. That all has to happen before you get on the road. If you start driving down the road without uh, without any kind of registration on your truck, you're going to have issues the first time you go through a port. Well, for sure. Yeah. 
All right, so let's bring Ariel back into the into the fray here and and start asking some questions about this whole process. So I know, like when you go to register a car, Ariel, you go you typically have to go to your DMV office at your state, and and obviously that's different for IRP. So where where does somebody need to start out? Right. So you want to find out what department in your state handles IRP registrations. Most of the time, it's going to be your motor carrier division, um, and that's where you'll start. Okay, good. And we'll actually have on the website a um, link of where you can go to. Actually, It's actually on the, there, uh, the IRP is an organization, a, a quasi-government organization that has a website. And so we'll provide a link to the website where you can go and you can actually search by your state. And I'll give that contact information for where um, where they need to go to get that all set up. So the next question on my mind is, does everybody have to go through this apportion plate process is there are there any other options or is this kind of what you have to do um carriers who are crossing state lines and are running heavier than twenty six thousand pounds will definitely want to get apportion plates some states will allow you to apportion if you're running at ten thousand pounds or more um it's a good idea to apportion if you're running across state lines consistently i assume that would be most truckers right most of them are going across state lines. How many, you know, intrastate truckers are there? Is that common or is this most people who are going to be dealing with this issue? Um, your intrastate carriers are, you know, more like your construction companies, mm. um, you know, things of that nature. So, um, you know, a lot of times they will have to cross state lines, but it might only be once or twice in a year. And in that situation, it may not be the best option to apportion um, because you can get a trip permit when you have to go into another state. And so that might be the most cost effective thing to do if, you know, that's uh, what your operations entail, just, you know, mostly staying interest state. Right. But all other carriers that are running consistently interstate, um, you definitely want to apportion. So what is the process for opening an IRP account, what do we have to do to get this ball rolling? I mean, we talked about you, you got to find the right agency. So yeah, first, first first, and foremost, you've got to find the place within your state that does it. And we'll provide the, the link in the show notes of where you go to do that. And then what do you have to bring? I mean, when I'm going to get my, uh, you know, my license plate to bolt onto the back of my car, uh, all I got to do is bring proof of residence, proof of uh, you know what, my, my government issued ID or hey, whatever. You're, you're kind of walking down the right path. Let's, let's let Ariel do that. So, you know, first and foremost, Ariel, what's kind of that process? What's the first thing you're going to have to do or provide to them? So the first thing that you want to make sure of is that your authority is active. You cannot open up an IRP account without an active authority or MC number. So once that's gone active, then, um, what you'll, want to take with you is four proofs of residency or established place of business. Um, those four items um, will include your articles of organization, your EIN letter from the IRS, and then also um, utility bills, a mortgage statement, a bank statement, things of that nature. It has to be mail. It can't be um, junk mail. I guess, per se. Um, so it's something that's going to be mailed to you and is a legitimate piece of mail that can't just be made up, you know, the address. 
So you've, uh, you've mentioned a few of those that are good ones, but then also, I mean, uh, you know, we're providing this contact information of, of where they can call within their state to get this done. And, and, you know, say they've only got three of those items that you just whittled off. They can probably ask them, Hey, what else can I use? And, or I've got a, an insurance bill without it be acceptable and they can, they can let them know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen things like uh, residential lease agreements, even at MCS 150. Um, I've seen insurance certificates, um, cell phone bills. So there are other options. Okay. Yeah. So we can call and find out what our options are before we you know, trek on down to the agency to, to yeah. present that stuff. Right. All right. So step one, you're going to have to show them proof of residency. What's the next thing that they've got to do? So the next step is to fill out the nap- application. That application um, entails just your basic company information, um, name, address, phone number, the owner of the companies or the members, um, and what their titles are, president, member, etc. And then also your vehicle information. So you want to make sure that you have um, your VIN number, unit number, purchase date, purchase price. And some states will allow you to get a temporary registration. Um, so that's one thing that you want to ask if you don't have the title to the vehicle yet. So in, in most of these situations as you're, you're filling out these forms, I know in, you know, in Utah that we are super familiar with, there's three different forms you have to fill out. And in, in most States, do you actually have to go to the, the office to get those forms or can you download them on the internet? You should be able to download them on the internet and you can probably either fax or email those applications to um, the department that handles IRP. You'll just want to give them a call and find out if you have to be there in person or not. So once once they've filled out all those forms and, and done that, what's the what's kind of the next step? So once you've filled out the forms, they may ask you for additional information or documents. Um, they may ask you for an emission certificate um, or possibly a state in a safety inspection or your heavy vehicle uh, use tax, um, which is also called the, um, or referred to as the 2290. So um, we've talked about the the required documents for the proof of um, residency. They fill out the application forms, and there's some additional information that could be specific to their truck. I, I think to me, you know, at this point, it really just kind of boils down to you know, make sure you've got all those documentation. So when you first contact that that office, make sure you know exactly what it is that you've got to provide so you can have it there and either mail it to them or have it all ready to go once you show up. So you're not going to the office, having to go back home, grab something else, going to the office, coming back home, grab something else. That, that could uh, be a pain, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it can be very stressful to show up to motor carriers and not have everything that's required and, and get turned away. So you'll definitely want to, you know, go prepared um, because it can be a lengthy process. Um, Also, the other thing that you're going to want to keep in mind is um, what weight you're going to register your vehicle at. So if you're a hotshot, you know, you're going to want to know beforehand what your gross vehicle weight rating is and, um, you know, for your truck and your trailer And then think about, okay, what's the maximum weight I'm going to operate at so that um, you can make sure that you can get those weights correct on your cab car the first time. If you are a a semi 
tractor trailer, you know, most of the time you're going to be 80,000 pounds, you know, that's pretty easy. But, um, you know, with hot shots, going back to that, um, there can be, you know, a price difference between 38,000 pounds and 40,000 pounds. And so if you're not going to be running that heavier weight, you definitely don't want to go too heavy because you're going to be paying registration fees for something that you don't need. Speaking That's of a- fees, that, that was going to be what I was going to bring up because uh, we've talked a lot in previous podcasts, Chris, about just how expensive some of these startup costs are and you know how they, they, the nickels and dimes keep adding up. And that was going to be my question is how much does this cost? I mean, I just registered my little Mazda and it cost me freaking 200 bucks here in the state of Utah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's not cheap. And so, you know, to kind of go with that, this is perfect timing because I actually today just started working on the renewal for my truck because I, I initially, um, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this later in this episode, I initially only registered my truck for the first six months so I didn't have to come up with quite as big of a down mm-hmm. payment or, you know, it was at the time that you're working out all this money for startup costs. And so I wanted to lower those startup costs as much as I could. And so I actually only registered for six months. So my renewal, I just got the renewal paperwork. My registration is good till the end of September, but uh, I started the process to get it renewed and kind of get an idea for how much it's going to cost me. It was just shy of 1700 bucks for one year. For for a year? For one year. $1,700 for a year. Oh, oh. Yeah, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. My heart is uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's struggling to keep up with this it information. Takes money to make money, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> if only I had money. <laughs> All right, so yeah, like almost seventeen hundred bucks for for one year's worth of registration. So the last thing you want to do is if you're a hotshot guy and your your gross vehicle weight ratings only thirty eight thousand pounds, you're not going to say, "Well, I'll just be a little bit extra careful and I'll bump it up to forty five thousand pounds." You're just going to be paying extra fees for something that you can't even use, and and you're still, you know, let's say you are over that weight, and your truck's only registered or your is only rated the, to that. Your truck and trailer is still going to get a ticket, so there's no point in registering at a weight that's higher than what you can actually roll out. You're just going to pay more money in fees. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, well, here's my dumb question. You ready? Yep. What's a hot shot? <laughs> that is a good question. A hot shot is somebody that's driving around with his pickup truck and maybe like a 40 a foot gooseneck trailer that's hauling, uh, you know, smaller loads using a pickup truck. Um, they're super common in the oil field. I think we get a ton out of Texas, right? A ton of hot shots run out of the Texas area. And you just haul in some of that smaller freight. Very nice. Okay. A lot of auto haulers. The uh, oh okay yeah that makes sense I've seen some of that rolling around yeah. even the, guys the education of Craig continues yeah. guys hauling um, RVs you know fifth wheel trailers mm-hmm. from the manufacturer to where they sell them the, or for individuals you know hauling all that kind of stuff around all hot shots very nice yeah. so uh, so let's go back to to Ariel's point with the, the the weights was there something else that you want to say with that Ariel yeah so another thing um, worth mentioning is if you will be running in excess of 80,000 pounds most states will cap you out at 80,000 pounds on your cab card and then they require you to obtain an overweight permit for the excess weight but then there are some states that instead will require you to list the maximum weight on your cab card but they may not make you get an overweight permit. So that's something to ask about when you're registering your truck. And I think that's probably more common in some of these Western states, right? Like Utah, Wyoming, if I remember, Idaho will let you register. Correct. Yeah. yeah. One of them's up to like 128,000 pounds, right? Yeah. Idaho's 129,000. Yeah. That's a lot of weight. That, 
Well, I mean, I, I feel like I could actually ride in that truck. <laughs> you, yeah, you might be able to. You're not that big. All right. So I, I, I kind of already spilled the beans a little bit and jumped ahead talking about how I saved myself only paying six months worth of registration fees up front. And, and that's a really good way to, to limit those costs. So, you know, for example, if you're going to start running in January, a lot of states will let you say, hey, I just want my renewal period where my registration is going to renew every year to renew in in at the end of June. That way you're only paying for six months worth of registration right up front so you can limit your your startup costs. And then by the time that renewal comes along, you will be, be, have been running for several months and um, hopefully have a little bit of money saved up for the, the renewal and you can you can pay the, for the full year's worth of fees at that point. Right, that makes sense to me. And that's something that you'll want to look into beforehand because not all states will allow you to choose your renewal period. So here in Utah, where we live, um, Utah will allow you to choose your renewal period. and um, But not all states will allow you to do that, though. So, um, you, you know, just find that out beforehand so that you know kind of what um, the costs are going to be and what to expect before you walk in there. Okay, good point. Another another thing I kind of want to mention here real quick. So we've talked a lot about IRP, but kind of going along with IRP is is IFTA. Do you remember what that stands yeah, for, Craig? Uh, International Federation of Truck. You got the first one right. International Fuel Tax Agreement. <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was going Star Trek. They kind of go hand in hand, don't they, Ariel? They do. Yeah, they're two totally different things, but they go hand in hand. So um, some states will allow you to. Um, set up your IFTA account at the same time you're setting up your IRP account. So that's another thing to look into. Just ask them. Um, and if you're lucky enough to live in one of those states that um, IFTA and IRP fall under the same department, um, that's great. So usually all it takes is just um, checking a box on the application and they'll get your IFTA license and your decals and you can walk out of there and be done with it. But um, most states, I think, now um, have moved IFTA over to their taxation department. So once you get your IRP set up, you know, ask the person that's helping you, okay, who helps me with IFTA and where do I go? And they should be able to point you in the right direction. Okay, good. Well, I, I, that's kind of all I can think of right now. Do you have any any kind of final parting thoughts, Ariel, that you want to give? I do. So um, one thing that you might want to look into is if your state offers a permanent trailer plate. Um, I think most states have them. A lot of times, um, though, they will charge you property tax every year, so it's not really worth it. But there are a few states out there that we know of, like Maine, Idaho, and Oklahoma. There may be some others. Um, Those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. But they offer a permanent plate. You don't have to be based out of that state. It's a one-time fee. And... I was really hoping that was going to rhyme too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you off. I threw you <laughs> off. Keep going. All right. So, um, but yeah, look into it because if you can get one of those permanent plates, it will save you money in the long term and people really, you know, they really like it. So, so. you buy that trailer and you get it registered with that plate year one and you still own that trailer 10 years down the road you're not having to re-register it every year it's Correct. just registered yep. it's yeah, just it's... registered yeah one and done that's nice yeah do you have to still you have to renew that registration no no, no? Uh-uh. oh it's done wow. yeah okay. i think maine i think you can do like five years but idaho and oklahoma i'm pretty sure there's are um permanent so pricey um idaho charges 106.75 so it's not too bad 
yeah, yeah. that's actually cheaper than what a lot of people pay annually Very for nice. registration fees. Go Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, on number one state in the union. I don't even live there. I love Idaho. <laughs> um, I guess my last thoughts would be, um, you know, make sure that you're keeping um, or be prepared to keep accurate distance records, keep track of your mileage, um, and make sure that when you report your IFTA that you're reporting your mileage accurately because your renewal fees for your, your registration in the following years are going to be based off of your mileage. Uh, Chris, what about you? Any other final thoughts from you before we uh, call this one good? No, I think Ariel probably uh, about hit the nail on the head. Okay, well, very good. So if I understand correctly, and that's really the true test of all of you uh, <laughs> that, that come across the show is can you educate me, uh, an idiot, in the ways of the trucker? So let me see if I understand. There are some steps we're going to have to follow when we want to get uh, get these, these plates, uh, to get our apportioned plates. If we're going that route, uh, we need to have the right forms. And we talked about that already. You can find out with your uh, with your state agency or whoever you're working with what those forms are going to be. We're talking about proof of residency, that sort of thing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of other forms you'll have to fill out, but that's kind of a, a big part of that. Um, any additional documentation? We talked about EIN documentation, you know, business documentation, that sort of thing. And then lastly, have the fee ready to pay. Yeah, you got to pay that fee. That's, that's the that's the the not so fun part of every. No, not of really every that any of it's that in fun. This process. Yeah, you got to. Last thing you got to pay that fee, or they don't give you the plates. Yeah, after so, yeah, after all the work, they'll make you do all the work first. Yeah, it's probably you know that you look at that license plate. It's probably about by weight as expensive as gold. <laughs> maybe very not nice. quite but close alright well very good so Chris I think we'll wrap this up and Ariel thank you so much for walking us through this much appreciated yeah uh, thanks for having me you're very welcome and uh, once again a reminder to everybody that you can go to the Holland Assets Facebook page and check out the giveaway that we're doing there uh, this week it is snack foods your, your favorite <laughs> snack foods on the road uh, I need more <laughs> any more ideas again again we're, chris wins every contest so uh, go go check that out the holland assets facebook page and uh, enter to win that 50 dollars gift card and well let's see what else go to hollandassetsllc.com to check out the show notes you can see full show notes there uh, for this and past episodes if you need to brush up on any part of what we've talked about today or in the past chris what's coming up next time Next time, we are talking about uh, some of the compliance things that need to happen before you hit the road. Ooh, compliance I can do. I used to work in a bank, so that's a word I am well familiar with. I, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I, well, is it is it good that the word compliance got me all excited? I'm not so sure. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I will see you then. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. See you, Craig.